Hi, and welcome to Still Learning, a podcast mini-series all about learning, a place for conversations about curiosity, how we learn, and the lessons we take with us from our early years onward. My name is Katie. In this episode, I spoke to my friend Akshay, an emergency room physician in New York City. We discuss, among other things, how confidence plays a key role in his work and how it drives his ongoing learning today. We also explore the value of past learning and knowledge. What happens, for instance, to all the stuff you learned in high school and college and in what feels like past lives. In this conversation, it felt like we were just scratching the surface, especially as Akshay began to speak about the interpersonal and relational aspects of learning and the importance of feedback from our peers and loved ones. So that will definitely have to be continued in part two. As a last note, I know Akshay because he's married to one of my dear friends, Georgina, who he mentions a few times in this episode. Hi, George. Anyway, here's our conversation. Cool. Well, I, so as you know, I work with kids and I've been thinking a lot about from the, the kid perspective um, and how I've been reading a lot about, like, especially in this time, but maybe even all the time, one of the best ways to kind of get in touch with yourself and um, your own process as a, as a learner is to think about what you enjoyed doing as a kid and what you were like as a young person. So I'm curious how you would describe yourself as a kid and you have any specific memories like of around the time of third grade, how you would describe yourself as a third grader? Um, that's an excellent question. For whatever reason, like I have a terrible memory in general, but especially of childhood. <laughs> okay. So I, have I think very... you've mentioned this to me before. Yeah. yeah I have very weak memories. I, I have some specific memories of third grade, particularly. My teacher's name was Mrs. Bankler. Um, oh. Third grade is the earliest grade that I can actually remember the name of my teacher mm. um and I don't even think I remember I think fourth grade was Mrs. Gray um third grade I had moved it was the first year I moved to a new school my parents okay. had moved from Boston yeah. to Brookline because I think I had a particularly traumatic experience happening to me in second grade in Boston and they wanted to get me in a slightly better school system oh, so it was yeah. like more of a I had been bussed a long way in Boston and so Brookline was kind of like a neighborhood school all of my memories kind of revolve around the park <laughs> and like being mm -hmm. in the park for extended mm -hmm. periods of time. Um, and like maybe one or two friends I had, um, like two or three people I can like remember specifically. Um, when I was that age, I was still a huge reader. Like I read everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would go to the library regularly Mm -hmm. in Boston the library I'd actually used to like walk with a wagon like bring a wagon with me to <laughs> fill up with books um That's and like storybook <laughs> and um yeah and then but in Boston like the the neighborhood we lived in wasn't as nice mm -hmm. um but in Brookline was a lot nicer and had a nicer library um and so I would still do the same thing where I was reading all the time and basically I'd go to the library and I would try to find the longest book possible and read those and so I think in third grade I was like it was probably I was reading um like 
like the Louis May Alcott series, like Little Women. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those used to be like really big books. I was literally going out of my way to just get those are fat books, really fat books. I'd be like, what's a fat book? Like, let me read it. And so I like read that series. Um, Once I read Stephen King's It, which is a really fat book, but super scary. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of left lasting scars. Uh, But (laughs) yeah. That's so funny. I'm my students are reading mystery books right now. And I'm some of the higher readers. I'm I introduced them to this series called 39 Clues. And they're they're like pretty spooky, I think. And one of them yesterday was like, Miss Hill, it's just too scary. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I remember. So I used to read the Goosebumps and like they were still yeah. coming out then. And so whenever a new Goosebumps would come, which was like monthly, it was like a big deal. Like you'd go to the library and hope that the library had a copy and that you got the copy before it had been borrowed by other people. Um, I used to read yeah, Encyclopedia Brown. I don't mm-hmm. remember what years that was, but I do remember that being like a fun read. I never really got into like the boxcar kids or the Hardy Boys. Yeah. They were they were like a, I remember I maybe I read them once or twice, but Encyclopedia Brown was my boy. Yeah, those are like the the shorter mysteries, right? He solves them kind of like one and done. There's a bunch in each book. Um, maybe I just remember them being remember. more like um like uh, cerebral. He was like uh-huh. a baby Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was like less kind of like gotcha and more like he noticed like a tiny thing on like Sherlock Holmes is still to this day one of my favorite books. And I love how Sherlock would just use like tiny details he would notice and kind of piece them together in a real logic puzzle. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And second, we run the same thing. I, actually, that third grade, I loved, used to love doing the logic puzzles, um, mm. the ones where you had like a bunch of it was like a bunch of boxes and it'd be like Sarah doesn't like Sally but she does like so and so yeah someone doesn't and you'd like try and sort out in the end I forget um and I feel like the brown books were kind of like that yeah totally well I mean this is kind of similar but along those lines is there maybe it's related to a logic puzzle or reading or something but do you have any specific memories or early memories of learning from that period like either a skill or a concept or experience when something kind of clicked for you or um, took off as like, oh yeah, that, that felt significant. Um, that's interesting. The, the one thing that immediately jumped to mind from that period, third and fourth grade, which is when I was in that one specific school and we lived in one specific apartment. And then I moved to a different school from fifth grade through eighth grade but was mm-hmm. learning how to ride a bike. So I don't know if it was in third or fourth uh-huh. grade, but I specifically remember like I had this blue bike and it had training wheels, but we had taken the wheels off and my dad took me to that same park and it had like a little slope on like a little grassy slope, not a huge one. And so he would just basically like push me down the slope and I would just fall over repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, eventually, I guess that's how kids learn how to ride a bike. And then eventually I just stayed on the bike. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, there was like a big kind of asphalt loop in the park. And so I would just ride around in circles. Um, it's so, yeah, it's so interesting to think like, you know, that's such a, I think a, a common memory for a lot of kids is like that moment of learning how to ride a bike and, you know, and it's like a, a metaphor we use now all the time with like getting back on the bike. And... Yeah. And that's like, you never forget how to ride a bike. Right. Yeah. It's, and I think it's tied a lot to, it's like there's movement involved, like your body, right? 
And the space, like you mentioned, being in the park and a lot of people think about like the recess yard and the physical spaces where these Mm -hmm. things happen, I think are so um, influential. Yeah, because it's like, I can't remember anything that happened in school, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I do remember riding my bike outside. I remember remember so many different things that happened in the park and like the adventures I would have in the park. I like remember... There was one time it like snowed really heavily and like me and my friend were like trudging. We're going to like trudge across the entire snow field. It must have been like a foot and a half deep or something. It was really big for us like yeah. to try and get through it. And like, like um, looking, there was tennis courts there and there was like a big overgrown field behind the tennis courts. So I guess, and it's funny to go back to those spaces and realize how yeah. small the spaces were. Like in I my know. mind, they were so big. And like now I'm like, oh, my God, this is like a really tiny park for me to have all of these memories of having adventures in it. I know. Wow. Well, there's your like your children's book series, Adventures in the Park. Adventures in the Park. <laughs> and it just ends up being like a little tiny. <laughs> it's like a tiny lot. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Well, zooming kind of into the present moment, and um, obviously you have a busy life and schedule and a lot going on, but how do you think about learning now? And like, is, is there anything that you are actively trying to learn right now or that you think you're engaged in learning right now? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, you know, being a physician because mm-hmm. I've, you spent so much of your adult life learning. Um, like learning in a very um, rigorous way. So, you know, I was still attending lectures as recently as like three years ago. Um, Georgina like still goes, uh, she was attending lectures as recently as last year, like Mm -hmm. formalized, like have to study for exams. Um, Like I took my last exam, I think probably a year and a half ago now. And so for basically the Congrats. last decade thank you um and I'll take but my next one will be like in a couple of years but like right. for the last decade, was, I like remember specifically like that feeling a year and a half ago to be like wow now I can study whatever I want like mm. up until then it was always very clear what needed to be studied like I had some exam coming up or I had some lecture that I had to go to and like with some reading associated with it or or this and that um and it's like once I finished with my residency and became an attending and finished my like my board certification steps, um, all of a sudden it was like, wow, I can read for pleasure again. Like mm-hmm. that was a big thing that, you know, if I wanted to sit down before it was always like I knew exactly what I had to do. It's like I either had to do a bunch of like practice questions or I had to read this journal article. And now it's like I can read whatever I want. Um, yeah. And so, but the other interesting thing is um, I don't read anymore. I like listen to audiobooks, which right. is something I had never done. I like basically like randomly discovered the Libby app um, and the fact that I could just download whatever book I want for free um, and listen to it. And listening is such an efficient way for me to read because especially mm-hmm. living in New York City, there's so much dead time while traveling, like on the subway or in an Uber or on my bike or um and like when I'm really getting into it like in my apartment just when I'm like doing dishes or whatever um and so I never really thought of myself as an audio as an oral a-u-r-a-l learner Mm -hmm. um 
but for whatever reason, when I'm listening to audiobooks, it feels like I'm reading. Like in my mind, I classify oh, totally. it as still. And I'm definitely like a reading learner. Like that's how I learn is from reading. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's odd to me, like how easily my brain just uses what it hears as just the same as, or very similar to reading a printed word. Um, and so what I'm really into right now is two things. One is um, like early child development. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been like listening to like a ton of different audiobooks on um, like child development and parenting um, and strategies around that stuff, as you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very um, applicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the other thing is um, in terms of like this uh, potential future as a life coach, um, like learning Ooh. different strategies um, uh, like basically like a variety of self-help books in like just a bunch of different genres. So the one yeah. I'm listening to or I was listening to before my wife like accidentally returned it to the library early and now I'm back on the waiting list was um, a book <laughs> called Nonviolent <laughs> Communication. Oh, that seemed really I have interesting. That. And I was, yeah, by I think Margaret, um, I forget his name. Um, yeah, so Marshall Rosenberg. Rosenberg. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was really getting into it. Like I loved it. It was like such interesting stuff. Um, yeah, and I'm really like my needs are as important as your needs and your needs are as important as mine. Like, it's so simple, but some of the frameworks I think are so powerful. Yeah. And, and like frame, the way he's framing them, I think the biggest thing, cause I, unfortunately I didn't get very far into it for the aforementioned reasons. Um, <laughs> but the biggest thing was just like reminding ourselves kind of how implicit judgment is and the way that we speak yeah. to each other. Um, mm. and by corollary, the way that we view things. And so, um, and how powerful that is just in the words that you say to other people and how those get received in ways that you never intended. Um, but yeah. that makes so much sense when you take a step back and kind of look at it through that lens. And so, um, and so because that book turned early, the one I'm on right now is called Bright from the Start by Jill Stam, which is about parenting from ages zero to three. Um, and it kind of focuses on what it calls the ABC, which is, um, uh, attention bonding and communication mm-hmm. and so um so that's so kind of cool. the two like whenever i'm like so basically when i'm like choosing what audiobooks to download um i either do i'm either getting a child um, development one i'm getting a self-help one and a lot of the times they're very interlinked um well that's what i was gonna I'm say getting... i mean those are so complementary yeah in no many cool. ways. yeah and you learn a lot and like a lot of the child a lot of the really good child development ones um, or parenting books in specific, like talk a lot about, not just about the child as an object um, for, that you are trying to um, improve, but that like to look at yourself and how you act and behave and, and mm-hmm. really um, uh, focus on that. And in doing so, you will become a better parent. That's just what I was thinking. I mean, I think even if there's not as explicit of an overlap between the two topics, you would think like the more you are engaged in kind of self reflection and thinking about strategies and how you might coach someone else, like you have to start with how you would coach yourself and learning about communication like that all will help you be so much more mindful and present in acknowledging what's going on with Annika and, you know, it's recognizing stages of development. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Well, 
I think the audiobook thing is so interesting and it's it's tied to another one of my questions, which is just how do you build learning into your day? Sounds like being able to listen to books kind of in your commute and in downtime is so helpful and important. But are there any other strategies or tools you found helpful or kind of compelling to you lately in terms of consciously or unconsciously going about learning? throughout your your day yeah so um for my job um Mm -hmm. as an emergency physician i um the biggest thing is point of care learning so um Mm -hmm. it's when i get a problem that i need to look up in the course of care or that i'm like kind of interested in where i'm like oh you know i've always kind of wondered this um and it pops up in front of me that's when i look it up and so um it's obviously it can be very difficult in a busy time but sometimes it's like it's it's almost forced on me it's like what antibiotic would be the best to choose in this situation like let me like doctor google it and so (laughs) there's a website that i love (laughs) to use called up to date um which is basically Mm -hmm. it's like a subscription website but it's really it's basically like doctor wikipedia it has like a lot of long Mm -hmm. and well-referenced um clinically applicable um articles about a very wide variety of medical problems and so it's really nice I think to just have that one resource that I know is going to have the information I need very easily Um, it takes away some of the friction of having to do that on the spot learning so it's like this person Mm -hmm. so I'll give you an example like I had a lady come in who I thought had a tendon infection of her finger sheath and so I was like, what antibiotic should I give her right now? And I'm not an orthopedic surgeon or someone who deals with these all the time. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. instead of, you know, if I thought ahead of time that it would take me 20 minutes to locate this information, I would just go with what my best guess was, would be. But knowing that I have this resource I can just turn to and flip open like removes that friction and and I like immediately know exactly where I'm going to look for it and that it's going to have it and then I can find that information in like five minutes and then in doing so I like can kind of read the rest of the article I actually brought the patient over because she was a patient care tech um, and kind of showed her the article to talk about some stuff Um, I brought like a student over to look at it it like really kind of broadened the learning experience and so I'm a huge fan of at least in terms of my work that ability to kind of do a point of care thing I know it's not applicable to everybody I like my job specifically has like lots of specific things that I need to know at different points in time but um that's huge for me in terms of on a professional level um Mm -hmm. being able to do that um on a then on the personal level the audiobooks as we mentioned I think is great because it um it's so easy with our phones and you get your air your um, headphones out and it, it really um takes a lot of dead time in my life and and adds um and makes it really productive. So, um, yeah, yeah. What you were describing about the, the point of care and kind of the, in the moment research too, makes me think about like, that's such a great example of how I think a lot of like in my master's program and a lot of kind of talk with teachers and professional development, there's this, I think kind of false dichotomy posed between like um, oh, you know, the, the old model was kids just need to go to school and we fill their heads with knowledge. And it's this one way delivery, right? Of like, I have the content, I'm giving it to you. Now you have it when you've learned it, quote unquote, 
versus no, it's the 21st century. Actually, what's more valuable is the ability to research and know how to access information when you need it and to build those skills as opposed to this foundation of content or knowledge. And what you're describing, it's almost kind of like you need enough of the foundation to know where to look, you know, like there's this shared territory. That is interesting. I think even our in medicine is kind of moving that way. So like an example would be um, our current, I'm certified by the American Board of Emergency Medicine. So every 10 years you take an exam that like basically proves that you're up to date or, or still a good emergency doctor or an adequate emergency doctor. Mm-hmm. And so now they've moved the exam to allowing you to use their open book exams. And so the idea being oh, that it doesn't oh. really matter how good you are in the, in the absence of um, like, just like out of your brain, like the way that we classically test Memory. people. And mm-hmm. it's that like, listen, if I'm at work and I'm able to use up to date really quickly and efficiently, then like when I'm taking these exams, like why not let me use up to date quickly and efficiently? Because that's yeah. the way I'm taking What do you think of that? I think it's amazing. I think it's definitely true. The way yeah. I describe medical school to people in general is the idea that medical school kind of teaches you a language. Like I didn't learn like a lot of very, like you do mm-hmm. learn like specific things, but in the end, it's kind of a holistic acquirement of like what it means to be a physician. It's like the values that are required, um, the terminology that's used, the kind of the way that doctors approach problems um, and then residency really teaches you like actually how to take care of people. Um, and so I think it's similar, like that idea of um, you learn a language, you learn um, like a broad vocational skill set. But part of that is how to quickly access information when needed and how to acknowledge that you don't know something. And so that you're not willing to mm-hmm. go and kind of do something dangerous that you're like, no, but I have the option to take a minute to look this up. Um, especially in a field Mm -hmm. like mine where um, I'm doing such different things all the time. And some of these things are things that I've never done before. Some of these things are things that I've never, a lot of these things are things I haven't done in a long time. And so um, it's specifically important to me. Yeah. It's just not feasible (laughs) to house all of that in your mind at the same time and probably wouldn't even be helpful. Yeah. and, And I do think I, you know, hadn't thought about that before, but trying to, it's not just how to do it. It's the ethos that doing that is important. That like when you mm-hmm. have a question or a problem that you don't know, it's not just to move on. It's like to say, hey, like it's not that hard for you to find the answer to this. Um, if we remove mm-hmm. like the, if we give you a the value that it's important and be remove the friction for how you do it, then it will much you'll be much more likely to do it going forward. Do you feel like you have mastered anything? And if so, what? Interesting. Right now. Mastered like in life or mastered recently? Ooh, um, I think in life. But recent life is yeah. okay too. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Master is such a strong word. I know. I, like, I, know. Um, I do feel like I'm a knock on wood. I'm a really good emergency doctor. Like, I like, obviously, like, I, I, it'd be weird to be like, I'm a master emergency doctor, like, I'm pretty early in my career. But it medicine is one of those odd things that maybe sometimes like when you're closer to the, like, when I'm 60, will I actually be as good an emergency doctor? I'll have more information, but I'll be further away from kind of the newest best stuff. Um, And Mm. so 
I do, it's nice. It's like, I definitely wasn't, didn't feel that way when I first came out of residency, like the first year or two of being an attending physician, like really taught me a lot. Um, most importantly, how to be yeah. really confident in my own decision-making process, which is like probably one of the more important parts about being in emergency medicine. That's interesting, actually, now that I think about it. The, the belief that you are a master of emergency medicine in and of itself is a requirement to be a master in emergency medicine because we are making such big decisions yeah. with such limited data in a wide variety of fields that we're not experts in that. And, and in your specific experience, didn't you have a good amount of authority within a small yeah. hospital? So like in your context, you were kind of, you had to kind of step yeah, into that Yeah, because I role. didn't have a lot of, uh, there was a, no other doctors around me to kind of run things by. And there were definitely no specialists that I was used to who would be like, oh, like this person has a, like a hand, like this hand person, right? Like normally there would just be an orthopedic surgeon I'd call who'd like a resident who'd be down in minutes and even if they weren't better than me like at least i've abdicated the responsibility or the decision making to them yeah you and have you here, shared like, it for me least, to, yeah. like i would have to transfer this woman like 20 miles to like the bronx um to another doctor right and she had no, like did not want to go at all and so like the whole like mm. i will I, then I, then i should make this decision myself and be confident in it and so let me double check by going to my up-to-date Right. But that I still feel confident with not just my current knowledge, but my fact that I'm able to acquire knowledge in a way that I feel like is reasonable and relevant. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. it makes me think that it's kind of like it's more about in the moment. Like, are you do you feel master? Do you feel like a master of this? Yeah. Moment? And in bigger <laughs> and it's a huge deal in much bigger situations, like when someone is like what we would call crashing yeah. in front of you where um, you're really making um life or death decisions like and that's not a point where i can kind of consult any kind of information i'm just going with like my gut and my experience and kind of the patterns that i recognize yeah and, right um but the bad emergency doctor is not willing to make that decisions right that or it takes too long to kind of commit to like a, a like a pathway um and in doing so has lost a lot of valuable time so that self-confidence is actually really hmm. is really important but to have that self-confidence you just have to kind of have self-confidence so it's um it's like a weird circular yeah. reasoning <laughs> um mm -hmm, it's like you're mm -hmm. a good doctor because you're really self-confident and you're self-confident because you're a good doctor or you believe yourself to be a good doctor so but i guess that totally. could also on the flip side be really dangerous because i have no oversight anymore ever right so unless like um wow. bad mm -hmm. things happen in a kind of consistent way that gets picked up on by people in my hospital like you know i'm just doing what i do so um, so I guess I would call myself the closest thing I feel like I'm a master of would be emergency medicine. Art, I, you know, one thing yeah. that's interesting, um, in terms of what I'm forgetting, um, French, I think would be a good example. Mm -hmm. It really frustrates me to try and talk French now and know that at some point in time mm. I used to be so good at it and now it's like it's yeah it's it's a it's a weird feeling to to know that to to be like I used to be yeah. an expert Georgina just said she feels that way about running to know that you used to be an expert and then and now you're not and you know it's mm. it's it's sad and frustrating but that's so 
Totally. But that just, again, makes me think about, it's like when you learn something, like when you learned a good amount of French, like, you know, where does it go? And now where has it gone that you feel like you don't have it anymore to the same degree? You know, like, it's like, did it physically leave you? Is it still kind of just, is it just under a bunch of other files in your mind? Well, Can you dust it off? Like, how do you reactivate that's interesting. it? One thing I always find really interesting is the idea that like at the end of 12th grade, in terms of pure, I had the most pure knowledge that I will ever have in my life, right? Like, I like mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. speak French fluent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would like took AP French and got a five on the AP French exam. Like, I took AP European history. Like, I took AP US history. I took calculus. I took physics. Yeah, I know. Thank you, AP. Yeah, we I took, were like, really physics at our BC. Like, I could do like, <laughs> Calcul- I could do solve physical problems with like physics problems with calculus like it blows my mind like now it's like it would look like a bunch of letters wow. that I don't know what they mean like I took AP chemistry I took mm-hmm. um, like there are so many I took an AP computer science class like I used to be able to code websites like it's, wow so like I you know, know like you, I could tell you what happened in France in 1442 Right. Like not just that, I could like write you an essay on the spot <laughs> in 10 minutes, like on an exam about like the general proclivities of the French government in the 1400s. And like and I went to a major university <laughs> mm-hmm. where I took all these classes and I have no idea what I learned in any of them. Right. I was like joking with um, <laughs> my friend Neil Sani had sent us a text message of something about related to us. But you could see the previous it was like a Facebook comment like it was on his Facebook wall. Like I think Facebook had reminded him of a wall post and the previous wall post was one of some other uh-huh. person we didn't know that said, Hey bro, see you're taking uh, protest literature um, t- from, from two, from Tom Payne to Tupac <laughs> sounds dope. And I remember, I remember that class offering. <laughs> I know right? what a I course title. That, that offering, but I remember it was called literature and arts B. It was a core requirement that all of us took a course from this, certain list of courses and so my course that I took from that list was called repression and expression literature and art in fin de siècle Vienna and it was literally just a course about all of the art and literature that was produced in Vienna from 1890 to 1900 and I don't remember a single damn thing right (laughs) and so it's like what happened to all of that knowledge of history and math and science and French and like that high school did such a good job of kind of filling us up with Um, but like, I wouldn't, and so it's weird to think that like, how do you define what quote unquote being smart is or having knowledge is? Because I definitely had more pure variety of knowledge as like a 17 year old that I do now, but like, I can, I feel like I'm a much more, um, well, I'm definitely a more valuable member to society with the knowledge that I currently have, you know, or I'm probably... Yeah. Well, it was a certain type of knowledge that you were really yeah. rich in at that point, right? Kind of of like book learning and facts and theories. And it, it, it was really filling and exciting. And now you could probably say, I mean, you have so many other types of knowledge from life experience. Yeah, I was showing. And... Um, so like last night was a bit of a slow night. And so I've, I'm clearly bored because I'm not allowed to drink with my friends anymore. And so in my... <laughs> In my limited spare time, <laughs> I've like um, been coming up with like a bunch of different um, risky stock trading strategies, and I've been like building out Excel spreadsheets. Oh. I used to be a consultant. Also odd, right? There was a period of my time where I was an expert in Excel. Like I like could have coded you like <laughs> the world in Excel. Like in my like I was in my mind, Excel is like what God used to create like the the perceivable reality that we live in. Like there's so much you can do in Excel. 
and I've really lost. But that's it's still like I'm not that good, but like, like I can still continue pull to on use it when I need to. Yeah. And so I'm like executing all of the like I was trying to explain it to somebody, and it's like the concepts I'm talking about are so complicated, and um, it's like odd that I, you know, in a somewhat dangerous way, feel like I can do them. Like you know, when I'm destitute, then like let me know that we had this conversation. This stuff, yeah. Oh, oh, this. And talk, so, this um, yeah. But that's like an interesting. So it's like stuff like that that, like, as a 17 year old, I would never dream of, but like, like 33 year old me can just kind of pull on that, right? And that's from like a whole different life that I led for two years as a consultant. Um, and so it's like a different, a different yeah. set of knowledge and huh. and stuff. And so, it's I the the interesting thing is is was it necessary for me to have learned all of that European history to be the person I am today? Right. And I right. think, yeah, I would argue can never it know. It's like the idea that like medical students get so frustrated that you're required to take like physics to go to medical school or like chemistry. It's like, I never really do mm-hmm. any physics as part of my daily life, but I intrinsically deep down inside have a sense that, you know, the, the fluid rate, through a vessel through like a through a vessel is 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 um is proportional to the to the um no it's to it's to the third exponent i'm trying to think it's not the the second what's the what's the term now so funny because it's such basic math not the square what's the common to the third cube it's it's proportional to the cube the cube of the radius and it's like that's important to know like for the way the Phew. way the way that blood there. flow yeah. works right that if you like cut if you have like a if you have a plow wow, yeah. artery that that does half your artery it's not just half your blood flow that's gone it's half to the third um and so it's like that idea that like you that stuff i learned kind of does live within me somewhere and even if i can't specifically draw on it at any point in time or have quote unquote forgotten it had I never learned it in the first place would Mm -hmm. I be able to do the really tertiary level stuff that I can do now well I think it also goes back to what you were saying before about the self-confidence and that having learned that and having known that at least some at some point it was kind of at your fingertips right like you you've gone you've you've gone deep with that content like it's it's underpinning the decisions and the thinking you're you're doing now that is interesting because there's that underlying thought that like if i ever did need to know calculus for something i could learn it because i've learned it before is there anything else like when you think moving ahead like something that you really want Um, i really want to get good at spanish um yeah, because mm, it's really important mm-hmm. as for, for my job. Um, and it's like tricky because I've reached yeah. a, a, and I, there were periods of time that I worked really hard on it. And so now I've reached like a level where I'm good enough yeah. to get by with what I need to do with it. But I'm clearly not happy with where I'm at. Yeah. But I like have, I've like kind of like stopped struggling yeah. to get better. So the reason I know I'm so bad at Spanish is because I know how good I was at French. Like I understand what it's like to know how to do oh, the, like, mm-hmm. right. Like I'm not sitting around being like, I understand how silly I sound because I know how silly I would sound if I was talking this way in French. <laughs> right. Like, and so, uh, right. Uh-huh. I'm like, I know I'm not conjugating these things well at all, but I know that I'm t- 
talking well enough that you understand what I'm trying to get across. Yeah. I think yeah, language in general is interesting because I think yeah. having learned any language makes you better at learning any other language versus had we like not learned any at all. It's like one of those. Yeah, I remember when true. I was, I like um, got an A minus in French once when I was in high school. It was like the one time I got an A minus and my parents were like, why are you even taking French? <laughs> They're like, why wouldn't you just take another science class? And it's like, <laughs> well, it's kind of required that we take a language. And they're like, what a silly requirement. <laughs> Which is so funny because like in India, literally schooling <laughs> is done in a whole different language. It's like the third language than the one like there's right. a language you speak at home, which is Kashmiri. Then there's the next language you would speak, which is Hindi, like in the street or whatever. And then there's English and schooling is done in English. It's like your entire life was spent in school in a third language. It's like funny that they would think that my second language was useless. But um but yeah, I would agree that that's another <laughs> yeah. example of how, you know, the even if I forgot all the French I know, um, I'm still a much better Spanish learner for having. This has been awesome. I guess as just a last question, I'm curious if kind of in thinking back on this conversation or about how you think about your own learning process, is there anything you feel like you are learning or have learned about yourself as a learner, like how you feel like this, the process is very personal to you that you think feels relevant or important to share? I don't know. I mean, um, the we focused a lot, I think, on like um, really specific um, things, like I guess knowledge, which is, you know, learning mm -hmm. is such a broad thing. And so like I can acquire knowledge, um, yeah. but you can learn in lots of other ways. And so an example would be like interpersonal. So for example, before we got on this yeah. call where I was like, I'm nervous, I'm going to talk too much. And Georgina's like, you should be nervous. You're going to talk too much because you talk too much a lot of the time. And so it's like that idea that, um, <laughs> so like there's so many other things like your interpersonal skills, for example, that I said I was a master in, but we can always get better at. Obviously, like I have a, I have a growth edge there. Um, like your ability mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to regulate your own emotions, your like ability to like, there's so many other things that are arguably much more important to being a successful and a happy human than like your actual knowledge. And those are also things that require learning. Right. Um, and obviously we haven't touched on those, but um, yeah. I would say then, and those things specifically, I think the feedback is important. Um, and so it's interesting. We, we touched on it briefly, like this weird idea this weird sensation to me that like as a physician, I never get any feedback anymore. Um, and when I do, it's pretty like superficial and that in order for me to be better at a physician, I have to really poke at myself and be like, how could like be kind of my own critic and my own um, watcher, so to say. Um, so you mean feedback from yeah, a supervisor like or from... Like as I, yeah, exactly. to feedback yeah from like your I could be like a mediocre position for the rest of my life and no one would really, you know, it's like as long as I'm not doing something that's blatantly harming people in such an obvious way multiple times mm -hmm. that someone sits me down, right? Like the only way I'm going to become a better doctor yeah. is for me to look at myself as a better doctor, um, which is hard, right? Like you, it's like that takes mm -hmm. a whole nother level of like awareness yeah. and um, time and energy. But um, it's nice, like, in other things, like the interpersonal stuff, to have someone around, um, specifically Georgina, who can point things out um, and say, hey, listen, like, you could be better at that, <laughs> um, which I think is so important to, like, kind of be able, like, we don't have, 
you know, once you're an adult, you know, you don't have a, like an assigned teacher to you, which is fine. And like, you know, but at least it's nice to have people who Mm. can give you like open and honest feedback, even if they're not teaching you like that, they're pointing out places that you can learn and then you can try and do better. Um, Because a lot of these things don't require you to like read a book. They just require you to be more conscientious of what you're doing. Um, And so. Yeah, perspective. And it's true. I think even just like someone to point things out to you, but then even like having that audience or partner to articulate your own observations or reflections like that I think speaks to also how learning can be thought of as a very it's personal and individual but it's also a very social process it doesn't have to be a spouse but being able to surround yourself with those people um is I think really important Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome yeah thank you thank you so much